Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Our uh, gospel reading, it opens up today with Jesus encountering a young Wall Street executive. You know, he's just graduated from Wharton Business School. Uh, St. Matthew tells us that he is uh, basically, he's young, rich, and uh, powerful. He's everything you want to be on your social media feed. And, uh, and uh, Jesus, and in Jesus' day, this is very important, uh, at a young age, one didn't acquire wealth and power unless you inherited it. So this is a very legitimate question that he asks. His question makes sense. Good teacher... What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he has everything you could want, doesn't he? He has uh, health, he's got money, he's got power. However, there's a real emptiness, a nagging lack, something he doesn't have, something all of his money can't buy, nor can his power actually grab, and that's eternal life. That's significant, actually, eternal life. Because eternal life is ultimately the answer to the biggest question of your, your life as well. You know? Nobody's up at three in the morning wondering about their purpose. You know, what are they going to do? Uh, what keeps people up at night, the question that keeps people up at night is death. This is my first point. Uh, wherever one goes in the world, uh, urban, suburban, uh, rural, wherever one goes in the world, Branson, Missouri, you could go to the central steppes of Asia. Humans around the world, they may define success differently. So for example, for us, it's like a big bank account, our name known. You go to like uh, the Riyankole part of Uganda, success is defined by a lot of herds of cattle and land. But the common denominator that really links us all together, that defines and unites the soul of every human being, actually is an emptiness, a nagging lack that comes from the reality that you're going to die. Merry Christmas. So, but, uh, you know, but they're actually, this is the thing that we're actually finite This is the thing that nags at us. And this is because, as the author of Ecclesiastes writes, God has put eternity into the mind of humanity. Therefore, everyone, including you and me, has this inkling that there is something more, the transcendent, the eternal, This is why I love our liturgy. We join our voices with angels and archangels. We recognize that. And that's what ultimately brings this rich young ruler to his knees before Jesus. Now, unlike the Pharisees from last week's reading who want to test Jesus with endless hypothetical questions, from the text one can deduce that the young man here is sincere as he approaches Jesus. He says, good teacher. You know, he's seen Jesus heal. He's seen Jesus uh, perform miracles. He's heard some of the teachings probably of Jesus. And he sees that Jesus does good things. So he's not trying to uh, mess with Jesus here. 
Rather, this isn't like, you know, uh, empty flattery when he says good teacher. But the rich young ruler, what he wants to know is what he must do. What he must do to inherit eternal life. Because he's not sure he has it. And this is an actuality where many of your friends are. This is an actuality where many of your family members are. Maybe this is an actuality what brought you through the red doors of our church today. You're not sure if you have eternal life. What must I do, Jake? Tell me. Because many of us assume God helps those who help themselves. That phrase is not in the Bible. That was coined by St. Benjamin Franklin. You know, not one of the apostles. And, and, and the church hasn't helped this at all, have we? You know, we've been baptized by American culture deeply, whether it's red or blue. It's like pull yourself up by your bootstraps, manifest destiny sort of Christianity, as opposed to the real gospel. We assume that God helps those who help themselves. We assume that good people, God gives them good things and gives them eternal life. We kind of see God like this divine Santa Claus, you know? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming to town. And so you all better look busy. You know, that's what we, that's literally what we think. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, this is an important question. Think about it. Think about the question. For what you do, you realize that if you've ever been involved in an inheritance, this is a category mistake. You know, I deal with people all the time who come in who are livid because, you know, their Aunt Vira didn't give them anything in the will. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you don't do anything technically to get an inheritance. It's strictly the will of one who dies. However, Jesus, he tells the rich young ruler precisely what he must do. If you ever go to Jesus and say, what do I have to do? He will give you the hugest to-do list you've ever had in your life. It will kill you. You know, so he goes through the second tablet of the law. You shall not commit murder. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall honor your father and mother. What Jesus articulates here is the second tablet of the law. And yet the rich young ruler's response is the response of many of your friends. The rich young ruler's response is the response of many of your family members or maybe even you. He says, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Or in other words, Jesus, I'm basically a good person. He seems not to have heard or comprehended Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus takes the second tablet of the Law of Moses and he elevates it to its highest pitch, to its highest pitch. So if you're angry at a person, you've committed murder. Whether you act on it or not, he takes it from action to thought, the very heart of God or the very heart of your heart. As Luther says in his Heidelberg Disputation, he says, 
the person who believes that they can obtain grace by doing what is in them adds sin to sin and they become doubly guilty. So Mark tells us though, this is very important because Jesus is about to get to the heart of the situation. Mark tells Jesus, or Mark tells us that Jesus loved this man. He looked at this man in love, like he looks at all of us. And that is a really important line because you need to know what Jesus says to him is not being like sarcastic or snarky. What Jesus says to him is in love. And Jesus tells him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. But here's the important part. Then he says, come follow me. You see, in love, Jesus sees right through the rich young ruler's piety and commandment keeping. What society calls being a good person. He cuts right through all of that crap and gets right to the heart of the matter. Go sell all your possessions is not about being like rich or poor. What Jesus is identifying is is he's taking them to the first tablet of the law and he's saying, you actually have an idol. You have an idol. The first tablet of the law. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and you shall have no other gods but me. The law isn't a ladder we climb, it reveals. And it reveals that we have all sorts of idols. All these things I have been doing since my youth, the law exposes maybe not. The truth is, is that idols are far more subtle than little figurines with chicken heads around them. Tim Keller once said, he said, idolatry is what we fear the most, love the most, trust the most. And what they usually can be boiled down to, I think, in this city are three things. Wealth, youth, and power. That's what we love the most, that's what we trust the most. Keller goes on to say, when we have them, we feel like we're at the top of the world. Things couldn't be better. And then when they're taken away, it's as though we've lost our gods. And in a deep and profound way, we have. This is my second point. Jesus loved this young man. He wanted to give him the one thing that he lacked. And what he lacked was not poverty, please. What he lacked was not humility, please. What the rich young ruler lacked was Jesus. And so Jesus says to him, give it all away. And here's the words that bring eternal life. Come, follow me. Those three words, come, follow me, those are the answer to the young man's question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Come follow Jesus is your answer to the question of eternal life. Follow Jesus through his death and his resurrection. Trust Jesus in his death and resurrection. And Jesus gives eternal life. 
Never forget those three words. Come, follow Jesus. It's not your piety. It's not your wealth. It's not your youth. It's not your power. Come, follow Jesus is what makes Christians. It's what makes disciples. However, unfortunately, what happens with this rich young ruler and what happens with so many people is that they miss the answer. All he heard was, go sell your stuff. He couldn't hear Jesus' loving call. His idols impeded the hearing. Hence, it's much easier to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle than to squeeze an idolater into the kingdom of heaven. That young man went away sorrowful. And we don't know, though if, how the story ends, we don't know if he went home and changed his heart, if he went and he looked at his account and was like, man, you know what? I don't need all this stuff. You know, we don't know if he eventually went and followed Jesus. We don't know, and I'm glad we don't. Because it enables us for a moment to take stock in the same way. Of course, this definitely bothered the disciples. You know, they saw his piety, they saw his wealth. They were like, are you kidding, Jesus? Like, this guy would be an amazing devotion group leader. You know, we ought to put him in charge of the stewardship committee. Maybe he could make a great pledge. We'll be talking about that next week. But anyway, um... But they were totally amazed when they heard this, you know? I mean, all that piety, all that talent, good grief, all that youth and good looks. So they asked Jesus then, who can be saved? Who can be saved? This is what it takes to inherit eternal life. Who can be saved? Maybe you're thinking that right now. And Jesus says, And this is important. Here comes the law and the gospel. The law. With man, this is impossible. As impossible as a young, rich ruler divesting himself of his wealth to run after a carpenter rabbi from Nazareth. As impossible as trying to get the camel through the eye of a needle. As impossible, here is the law, as impossible as any of us being justified by God, by any of our merits. On our own, it is totally impossible. But here comes the gospel. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible because hear me, brothers and sisters, for Jesus is the good teacher because he's a good God. And as God, he was rich but for our sake, he became poor, giving all that, up, all that he had, divesting himself of all of his power and all of his honor, taking on the role of a slave and humbling himself to the point of obedience, even death on the cross. He became poor and he suffered and died on the cross so that in our po- in his poverty and death you and I might become rich in all that he pours out upon us rich in faith rich in grace rich in mercy in order to inherit eternal life this is my third point my friends 
How does one inherit eternal life? Well, you inherit eternal life by becoming a child of God. And you are a child of God because you have been joined to Jesus already in faith. And you already, by virtue of your baptism and the promises given to you there, die and rise with him daily, following where he leads. That's how you inherit eternal life. And the good news of the gospel is that in your baptism, Jesus declared you to be an heir already. Eternal life is already yours in Jesus' name because you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and you've been marked as Christ's own forever. And when that bread comes to you today, the bread that is his body, and you taste, remember that the Lord is good and eternal life, no matter what, by virtue of Jesus for you, is already yours. So let's enjoy our forgiveness and worship God freely today. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.